You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. On today's show, we'll be looking ahead to all the games from the top four leagues of Scottish football this weekend. We'll be we'll be previewing them all, giving you the odds, all the stuff you need to know about them. And we'll also be talking about the, the, the latest talking points in the Scottish game. We've got lots of stuff to talk about there. Joining me for this weekend preview, we have Connor Park, Callum Fisher and Lewis Kemp. How are we doing, guys? Fantastic. Brilliant. So we will start with Friday night's game at Ibrox, the, the opening game of the championship season between Rangers and St Mirren. How do we foresee that one going, guys? Um, I think it'll be an interesting one. As I said, I, I've, I firmly believe that St Mirren will be the closest team to Rangers uh, this year in, in terms of the league. I think um, you know Rangers are obviously on a high just now. But not a lot's been made of, of St Mern's sort of results. Of course, we'll come on to their, their sort of friendly results at the moment. But in terms of their competitive games, they have done quite well. They've won them both. Um, from what I've heard, they, they, it's you know a new start, obviously, at St Mern, and, they, and they've looked quite good. And I think that's a thing that we need to consider as well, the fact that it's, it's a fresh start and a clean break from what went before for both clubs. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge game. Um, and, and one I'm looking forward to. St Mirren coming off the back of a shattering 5-0 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday last Saturday. Is that cause to be concerned, Connor? I don't think it is, to be honest. We need to remember they're up against a team who will probably have aspirations for the top end of, of, of the Championship in England. Um, and, you know, it's one of these ones, it's just a pre-season friendly. Um, the, the competitive game against against Berwick, they did what they had to do there. Um, and I think the signings haven't been too bad. They go in, you know, with a bit of a freshness and maybe a bit of a kind of good feeling of of, of optimism around St Mirren Park. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Cause I think it will give us a, a good indication as to how both teams are going to fare this season. The bookies have Rangers priced at four to six favourites. The draw is three to one, and St Mirren are seventeen to four, so just over four to one for St Mirren. How do you think both teams will approach the match, Lewis? Uh, I think Rangers it's just a case of um, just keeping the momentum going uh, result against Hibs obviously which was you know very impressive um, in terms of St Mirren um, as, as uh, Connor was saying you know I don't think we can look into friendly, you know, friendly results as, as an indication of how your team's going to perform in the season um, I, I'm just really interested for the game um, I think you know I, I, I'm just really interested in seeing how how St Mirren will will play and you know and how um, you know how they match up against a Rangers team which you know are many bookies tips to um, to to run away with the league. Rangers a good price at four to six, Callum. I think so. Uh, just sort of going on what Lewis was saying there. Every message coming out of of, of the club from Warburton and the players 
pre the Hibs game and the Peterhead game, it's all about us, you know, in terms of how we approach the game. We worry about ourselves, and we don't really worry about the other team. Um, you know, we're going to play our game, um, and and continue doing what we're doing. So I think we'll see the same sort of performance, um, that we have done from Rangers, uh, in in the previous two games, and I believe. It won't be easy, obviously, um, but I, I think Rangers should should win that game. Elsewhere in the Championship this weekend, Hibs are one to two favourites away at Dumbarton. We expect Hibs to win that one. Yeah, yeah, I think if, if, if Hibs have any ambitions of uh, challenging or, or making a credible challenge to Rangers, I think they need to they need to win. Uh, they, need, they need to win comfortably, really. I, th- I think as well we were. Um, we we did actually talk up Dumbarton a little bit um, in the pod last week, so I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a routine win for Hibs. Uh, I, I don't know. I think Dumbarton could be could be a decent challenge for them. I, th- I believe that very much in the same line as Callum that you know Dumbarton could surprise one or two people this year. Um, but it's one of these ones, you know. If Hibs have aspirations to be at the top end and, and pushing at the, at the very top of that league then three points in these sort of matches is a must, and it's a must right across the length of the season. Elsewhere, Falkirk begin their Championship campaign away at the newly promoted side Morton. Falkirk 5-4, to four, slight favourites there. Morton 19-10, to 10, that one quite close to call? I think so. I mean, had this game been played um, a couple of weeks later... I think you might have been a, a wee bit of a difference in in the odds. I think the big thing going in Morton's favour is you know it's their day. It's the unfurling the flag, Capolo, uh, a kind of atmospheric ground in itself. Uh, we'll we'll be busy, um, and I think it's one of these ones you know Falkirk need to be wary. But likewise to Hibs, if Falkirk have got aspirations of, of at least getting a playoff place and and pushing on, which I know they do. Um, they're going to need to try and be picking up three points and it's imperative that unlike seasons before they make a good start to league campaign and it's a good chance to do it I mean albeit they've got a little bit of toughness with the, the flag but apart from that um, it's certainly a game that's winnable and one that Peter Houston will be hoping for three points from Lots of good games this weekend we'll come on to the Premiership games later on but I think personally that Morton Falkirk one looks really exciting I think there'll be a bumper crowd in Capolo for that one a good travelling support as well and I, th- I think that could be a cracking game, a really even game, so that might be the one to go to this weekend if you're looking for a match. Queen of the South are at home to Alloa, and they look a good price on the face of it at 8-11. to 11. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I kind of discussed this in another pod, you know, Queen of the South have lost a lot of players. Um, I'm not expecting them to, be, to have as good a season as they did last year. Um, but, you know, I think... Just for the fact that they're a full-time team and, you know, Al are a part-time team, they should be expected to beat them. But, um, you know, definitely not easy. And I think that the fact that they've lost a lot of players certainly isn't going to help in, in this game and in the games you know, in the games going forward. Wraith Rovers are evens at home to Livingston Corner. But I think that, that could be a game that Livingston could be a good price at 11-4. to I mean, that, that could go either way. I think so. That'll be very tight, that one. Um, Wraith's kind of started to make moves that were making people think, hang on, you know, they might they might be the one that kind of takes over Queen of the South role um and, and pushes Falkirk and St Man over a playoff place. But they've had a pretty poor pre season, albeit I think they had a, a convincing one over Albion Rovers last weekend. Um again, it's one that down the bottom there, you know, Livingston, Livingston know they're gonna be in a wee bit of battle this year, um, because 
likes of Cowden Beath aren't in the division anymore, so it'll be important for them that they at least put them a good show in, in this game. For Wraith, they'll be desperate to avoid any sort of relegation situation. I don't think they will be in one, um, but it's a chance for Ray McKinnon to get his, his, his kind of first competitive win, um, but very, very tight, and to be honest, that one looks like a draw for, for me. Moving up a league to the Premiership, I was talking about games a few minutes ago there that looked like crackers this weekend, none more so than Dundee Hearts. We're talking about that on Tuesday's podcast, about Dundee and Hearts being two teams that could possibly be going for fourth position, third position even. Sorry, um, that could be the game I think I might head along to on Saturday. Dundee 9-5 of the bookmakers, Hearts 13-8. to They clearly go along with the fact that it's going to be very close to call between those two. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as we said, those are the two sides that we we're probably most impressed with uh, in the first first weekend of the season. Um, and I think it should be a fantastic match. Uh, both sides like to, to pass the ball um, you know, well. Uh, both impressed me with how they, they did pass the ball, uh, particularly Dundee, and how they, they sort of opened up their opposition through that. Both have got quick players, exciting players, and I think that's certainly the one to look out for uh, in the Premiership this weekend. I think for Dundee, it's a it's a chance to really show, um, you know what what they're all about this year. Um, a lot has been said by us and many other people about, you know, where can they possibly end up this year? And surely, the the, the match at the weekend is a chance for them to to play in a marker as such. You know, it'll be tough, but if they were to go and get a a result there, it would really highlight just exactly where. You know they can finish this season, um, and and if they can push Hearts um, all the way for that kind of third third place, well, I certainly think they will be there or thereabouts. I think there'll be a wee gap between them and Hearts, but um, I think after that you're looking at Dundee as your next best team. Motherwell against Dundee United, a game I think could be another cracker. Two teams with different results. Motherwell with a one 0 win at Cali last week or the opening week. Dundee United lost their first game at home to Aberdeen. But it could all could all kind of could all be there to play for on Saturday. Seventeen to ten, you can get on Motherwell. Seven to four, Dundee United, and the draw at five to two. Another game that the the bookmakers are finding really difficult to call. Yeah, I think uh, in terms of United, um, this is going to be the game where uh, we see what they're all about this year. Um, I think last last week they were got. You know they were going up against a. It's probably the best chance uh, any team will have this year of beating Aberdeen. But um, you know. It's still, you know, still a decent t- side. Uh, Motherwell uh, made a, made a lot of good signings, a lot of experience. You know, David Clarkson uh, returning to his, uh, you know, his, his first club, uh, and they've got, you know, they've got still got a lot of experience in there. Guys like Lasley, Hamill, um, and, and Pearson as well. Um, you know, so I, I actually think Motherwell could 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 do very well this year. I think uh, they'll definitely be pushing for the top six. And United is just a case of. Um, I think from their perspective they need to get some players in but uh, I think this game will be interesting and we'll, just, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to get a better gauge of how these two teams will be performing this year Hamilton face another winnable game looking at their fixtures they would have hoped for, for kind of big points from the first couple of games they're against probably teams certainly we've tipped to be down there they face Ross County up in Dingwall on Saturday a game that they'll be looking to win Obviously, yeah, I think, though, for me, Ross County showed, uh, certainly what they did uh, against Celtic, that they are a team that, that can be dangerous, particularly in these games where, you know, it is going to be tight um, and, and you're maybe not really sure which way which way it will go. 
Again, for me, the problem with Hamilton is I just don't see where the goals are going to come from. And in this league, goals are, in every league, obviously, goals are, are crucial. But when you're a team that could be struggling against relegation, you know, they're absolutely vital. So um, I can see them struggling up at Dingwall. Ross County, 5-4 to four favourites for that. You can get 5-2 to two on Hamilton. St Johnson against Inverness, two clubs that did well last year. Start, both starting with defeats this time around, though, albeit against decent teams. St Johnson are 17-10, to 10, Inverness 21-10, to 10, yet another match that's so difficult to call. It's a bit of a theme this week, isn't it? Close games. Yeah, I think so. Um, a lot of close games, but I mean, just the similarities between both teams and the fortunes in the last few years. Uh, St Johnson obviously won the Cup, and you know, uh, two years ago they won the Cup, uh, had a great run in Europe and in the league, they were f- fantastic. Uh, I think they finished fourth that year. The year uh, year after, uh, Inverness you know, won the Cup, finished third, had such a, a great season. Uh, St Johnson, you know, last year they fell off a wee bit. You know, they weren't as good as you know. They obviously, couldn't match expectations of the, or or just match the, the previous season. Um, Inverness, I think, is is the case again. You know, they're not going to be able to match this, you know, the season previous. So, you know, the, it's almost a changing in the guard in a way. You know, for so many years we've had teams like Dundee United, Inverness, and St Johnson in that top six, and I think there's a really good chance that at least two of these two teams, uh, three teams, sorry. Could, uh, could could be out of the top six, six this year. Celtic travelled to Farhill on Sunday to play Partick Thistle. As always, Celtic big favourites. You can get two to five on Celtic. Thistle went nines. We think Celtic will, will win that game pretty comfortably. I think so. Um, the only potential kind of thing going against that is they talk about the kind of European hangover. To me, it's pretty non-existent, and especially at this time of year, players coming back from pre-season, a bit of freshness about them. I would expect um, Celtic to win it, you know. But interesting, you know, part of this will maybe feel slightly like they've got a wee bit of a point um, to prove, but they were resolute last week against against Hamilton, so that'll be something Celtic need to watch against in terms of they'll be tough to break down. They'll go into the game knowing that they're not the favourites and they'll have a tough task getting some out of it. But with that in mind, they'll make themselves hard to break down. And, you know, they do, to their credit, have players that, that, that on the break could potentially um, cause a bit of damage. The final game of the weekend sees a no-doubt tired Aberdeen at home to Kilmarnock. We spoke on Tuesday about Kilmarnock's tough run of fixtures, Aberdeen and Celtic to come. Aberdeen 2-5 to five at home to Kelly. Kelly, same as Partick, 9-1. to one. Foresee a simple one for Aberdeen there. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Aberdeen. Will, uh, again, if they get any ambitions to be near the top end of the table, they need to be beating teams like Kilmarnock uh, week in week out. Uh, Kilmarnock, I think, just for them, I think you know it's a case of they'll improve as the season goes on. So quickly, we'll just run through these games again quickly. Get your opinions on all of them. Dundee Hearts. I'm going to go with Dundee to win that one. There you go. First controversial one right there. Dundee to beat Hearts. You guys score and draw for me. Yeah, I agree with uh, Scott. Uh, I'll go with you, Hamish. I'll say Dundee to win. Motherwell, Dundee United. Motherwell, comfortable. I'll go with Lewis as well. Draw Fairly. for me, 1 0. Motherwell to win. Ross County, Hamilton. Uh, County. Draw. I think it'll be. Get off that fence. No, I, I, I think I think that'll be a current theme this year. Uh, I think there's a, not a lot between a lot of teams. I think Hamilton will got to be a resolute. Ross County okay I'll change my mind actually Ross County will win that one <laughs> a wee bit of firepower up top they didn't have last year so I'll go for them 1-0 I'm going Ross County as well 2-1 I'm saying Ross County 
St Johnson Inverness God, these games are so tough to predict St Johnson Inverness where'd you go with that? St Johnson being at home um, played well last week looking dangerous up top need to guard a wee bit but we've not seen enough Inverness to really say they're going to cause that many attacking threat but uh, they could just turn it on you don't know St Johnson for me 2-0 I think it's a, I think it's a draw actually. I think uh, there's not not a lot between the teams and can't really yeah. can't really choose. When you can't separate the teams, always go for a draw. That seems the right thing. Yeah, to do. I think John Hughes will have will, will try and make sure there's a response there from Inverness after how poor they were at the weekend. I'll say Inverness. Sunday's games might be a wee bit easier to predict. Celtic and Aberdeen both win their games for me. Any disagreements there? Nope. No, no, I don't think that. so. Yep. So there we go. In League One, title favourites Dunfermline travel to Glebe Park to open their campaign against Brecon. Cowdenbeath begin life in the third tier at home to Stranraer, while Inform Air United travel to Albion Rovers. Peter Headstenhouse viewer and Airdrie Forfer complete the fixture card. League Two sees Arbroath at home to Elgin, Berwick play Montrose, East Stirling host East Fife, Annan travel to Hamden to play Queen's Park, while Stirling Albion entertain Clyde. The Highland and Lowland Leagues are also in action this week. As always, I would encourage each and every one of you to get out there and go to a game this weekend. There's lots of good football out there. You just need to, to find it. I mean, it's, to be honest, it's kind of everywhere. There's loads of good games this weekend, so I'd get out there. I think I'm going to head to Dundee Hearts, as I said, on Saturday, and then probably Partick Celtic on Sunday. But Motherwell United looks intriguing too. What about you guys? Any games stand out for you? Where will you be going this weekend? I know your answer on Saturday, Connor. Well, you, think, uh, you know where I'm going, but... Where would you be going? Where would I be? Otherwise? I would probably be mindfully going to, to Dens Park as well. Mm. Um, that, that sounds good. I mean, the lower leagues, local to me, uh, I'd probably head to Stirling Albion against Clyde. Um, mm. Obviously, I think it'd be interesting to see how Clyde... Mm-hmm. Clyde Stirling Albion could be up the top end of the league as they well. Could, I think that'd be a good, a, a good game. Obviously, Barry Fergus made a lot of decent signings there. Um, and League One, I kind of like to cast an eye over the firm one this year. I would travel to Brecon for it, but um, I think you know certainly if you're in that sort of area, that would be a game that, that would be entertaining. Because you know, I'd imagine Brecon would have aspirations of, of pushing for the playoffs anyway this year as well. Um, well, me personally, I think everyone knows where I'll be on Friday night um, anyway, but certainly Dundee Hearts, um, if you're lucky, Hamish, I might travel up with you. Yeah, St Mirren and Rangers is quite a quite, quite an intriguing game, and uh, as you say there, Dundee Hearts is, as well. I, if I wasn't working, I'd, I'd be there in a flash. You even look at games like Aberdeen-Kelly, which could be quite interesting. Sunday with Aberdeen coming off that European game. Kelly, on paper, albeit last week's result, have a good team on paper. Time to move on to this week's talking points then and we'll start with uh, an easy one for you, not so easy. Does the League Cup still have a place at the very top of the Scottish game? Yes. No. Oh, good. Good, we've got a wee argument, a wee bit of discussion going. I mean, Take it away, guys. Well, I mean, in an ideal world, I would never have the League Cup, but you know, I understand we, live, we don't live in an ideal world, and you know the clubs are you know, strapped for cash. So you know, I'm not advocating that we get rid of it anytime soon. But um, you know, for me, in an ideal world, you know, it takes away from the Scottish Cup, and um, I wouldn't have it if this was if, if I was running Scottish football. At the end of the day, it's it's a competition that has been about for in slightly varying formats, but but the same sort of. So the same sort of level mm. uh, for a number of years. I think, you know, could there be things added to it? 
make it a wee bit more exciting, a wee bit unique, then yes. I'll throw one right at the group stage. Nah, absolutely no. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I think so. I, I, I think that the regional thing I don't like, I think, you know, mm. the Petrofact do it, but that's with the lower leagues. Mm-hmm. I think when you get to the, the, the kind of, when you're involved in Premiership teams at this stage, I think, you know, there's a couple of really decent looking ties. Um, going into this second round, I think you would find some really interesting kind of games. And, but it's hard to kind of say, but the main thing for, for myself would be that, you know, you get the group stages and, and they're played at the right time, they're priced at the right time. And I do think it would, would draw out fans. There's definitely a place for it, but maybe not in quite in its same format. The news, of course, comes after it was revealed yesterday by the SPFL that group stages in a, a League Cup and also an earlier summer kickoff are options being discussed in order to revamp the Scottish League Cup. Um, a self-imposed three-year hiatus on changing the leagues ends next summer, which means that these opportunities could arise for for a, a group stage. What are your thoughts on a group stage, Callum? Would you be in favour of that? I think, I mean, it would... It's something different, I suppose. Um, I would say the format is a wee bit stale. Certainly, if you are supporting a team in the lower leagues, you know to have these kind of games early on in the season. You know, you have your your Petrified Training Cup game, then your League Cup game, and then eventually you get to to the season opener. It can be a bit much, depending on the situation and which club or or, or whatever. Um, I think change would be good, um, and I, and I do believe that. There are ways that could be, you know, I agree with Connor that <clears throat> regionalising it maybe isn't the best idea. Um, but I think change is positive. I like the League Cup as a competition. I wouldn't want it to, to disappear. Certainly, speaking from my own experiences, some of my best memories um, uh, with the club I support are, are in the League Cup. Um, so it's certainly a competition that I, I'm very fond of. Yeah, I, I, I disagree with both of your your opinions. Uh, you're obviously uh, entitled to them, but um, you know, I think you need to ask yourself the question. You know, the League Cup back in the day, back in the seventies and the eighties, you know, it was a group stage, um, and you need to ask yourself the question: Why did it change us? Well, the reason why they changed us because the tendencies were uh, atrocious. You know, they were they were awful, um, and the clubs weren't making any money off them. Uh, the tennises are bad enough now in, in the League Cup without you know you know uh, devaluing it and uh, diluting it further into group stages. You know, for me, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I think it might be an idea to you know uh, just just have them to have them earlier and then obviously to to finish the League Cup in in, in, in November or December or whatever. But um, uh, no, I'm, I'm not in favour of group stages whatsoever. I move on to our next talking point, and it's it's from a, a tweet from a St Mirren page on Twitter. St Mirren Active, they tweeted us saying, "What about the atmosphere at games? Are clubs doing enough to encourage young people through the gates?" Connor, I know you have some stuff to say on this. So, Connor Park from Falkirk FC, are clubs doing enough to encourage young people through the gates? I think it very much varies on a club by club basis. Um, Overall, I think across Scottish football there are some very positive steps being made to attract crowds, to attract families, to attract kids. Um, you've got your numerous examples of... Well, Patrick Dissel, I think, led the way. Uh, to begin with, they went for under-16s, three winning in the first division. Um, my own club have got under-12s free, um, tickets for schools in which there's 
the tickets handed to schools in local area, a bus is put on for them, they're brought to the Volker Stadium free of charge with their teachers um, for league matches. Um, there's also the no nil nils, which is something we've come up with as well. Explain what that is, because that's quite an interesting concept. If a match, well, a league game finishes nil nil at the Falkirk Stadium, you automatically are entitled to, as a season ticket holder, uh, a voucher that allows you to bring a friend to the next game for free. Um, it's another another initiative that, that that's just trying to do something a wee bit different. There's an, there's num- there is a number of them out there. Um, and I don't want to sound over over biased or anything, but I do feel that you know certainly my club do make a lot of a, a lot a lot of actually very positive steps to try and attract crowds. I think there's you know tickets given out to free to a number of uh, organisations. We do tickets for troops as well, and it's all about trying to encourage people in, in any way possible. You know you might only hand out one free ticket. You might only let one child in for free. But in doing that, they can catch the sort of bug, if you like, and, and, and want to come back. Um, but don't get me wrong, there's a number of positive steps being made by a number of clubs. Uh, I think it's a matter of time. You know, something maybe needs to be done on a more national level um, to try and attract crowds. And it's funny because, you know, I, I've heard stories of people that have went to, you know, the strangest of games to watch their team, you know, it could even be reserve games, but it can just be what a single thing that happened, and, and it can suddenly get that within people. I think it's about hitting them young, get them in early, and get families involved. Some of the stuff there Connor was talking about from, from Falkirk was certainly really positive. Um, I think, I agree with them, I don't think there's enough being done on the wider scale. Um, certainly, if I use my own club at Rangers as an example and contrast it to Falkirk, I don't think they are doing enough, I think. Um, you know there is a kids section within within the Brimwood stand, but there's not really the. I don't know. It's very much aimed at, at sort of, of kids, like kids, mm. kids. There's not anything for maybe six or seven and older. It's very much you know. Mm. I think children's s- entertainment. Speaking from Celtic's point of view, I think maybe I'm being a tad harsh here, but I don't think flinging in a few Xboxes into a room <laughs> increases your attendance by well, five thousand. That was. I mean, I, I I think there's a this is a pretty big subject to cover but there was there's been I've seen discussion about certainly the club deck at Ibrox that's the area where by for the the view you're getting and, and how it takes to get up there in terms of ticket pricing it's not really worth it and there's talk of that people are saying you know if we have sort of in, interactive things uh, within the club deck we make the, the tickets cheaper you know we can encourage that can maybe be the new sort of kids area um, and things like that Obviously, Rangers have had a bit more pressing concerns over the past few years, but as we now move forward, it's certainly something I feel like we should address um, and, and, and try and um, you know engage with with younger people. Because at the end of the day, if you've not got the sort of tradition of you know your dad, your 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 grandpa, and that supports this team, you know how else do you get into to supporting a team other than you know they engage with you and, and you start to really you know feel for that club. The tweet comes from a St Mirren page. Obviously, um, talking about their own club, I think it's fair to say that Brian Caldo at St Mirren has done a lot. Stuart Gilmore as well have done a lot to entice younger fans into the games. Um, loads of different initiatives. Even when I was talking to Brian, I mentioned the the whole nil nil things with Falkirk, and he was he was excited by it. He's he's into these things. So I think there are the people out there that want to do this to introduce fans, young fans, into the game. 
I do like the under 14s, 13s, whatever it is, to get fans into the game because then the majority of kids, if they've had it for free and they're enjoying their football, they're not going to just go on and kind of not go the following season. I think if you give them something to do on their Saturday, they'll miss the football. So it's all about hooking them um, and getting them hooked, sorry, and then just keeping them going. So just before you come in, Lewis, do you wanted to say something? Uh, yeah, I think I mean, you, you all make really valid points. Um, I think... I think a lot clubs are doing a lot of a lot of good in in enticing families to the games. You know, every club's got a family stand. You know, um, and some clubs are doing better at enticing than others. But um, for me, they need to uh, entice a certain group of people, and that is, you know, your fifteen, your sixteen, your seventeen. You know, in groups of these people. And the reason for this is because I think if you you ask any you know person you know seen ticket holder who's who's been a seen ticket holder for you know twenty thirty years or, or so, you ask them when did you first start going to football, and they would say, oh. Um, my dad took me when I was young, and then I, I properly got into it when I was uh, when I was a teenager. I started going with a group of mates. Uh, so I think you know, for me, you know, there needs to be more initiatives to attract these, you know, this age group rather than just the families. I totally agree with that, and it's something I looked at a couple, well, about eighteen months ago. Now, I actually, <clears throat> long story short, I, I ended up having to write a couple of things uh, for people about it. Um, it's an interesting point. You get to that age of fifteen, sixteen. You're just starting to get into it, and a lot of clubs, now I know not all of them, because we're going to make this point in a minute, but a lot of them cap it at under 16. So just mm. as you reach that age, suddenly you start paying at least concession prices, which can be another maybe £6, yeah. or some places you're actually having to pay full adult prices. The big difference is you need to have somewhere in the middle, because these people are still in full-time education, some of them don't have jobs, but if you can get them hooked, you can. And I'm going to go back again to Falkirk, and I know it's you know draining, but again... It's under 18s that, that we do, and it's £6. So it's, again, kind of that kind of stopgap in the middle between a kid and someone who's starting to get a job or a university or, or at that sort of age. It's important you hook them there. I think something as simple as increasing the age from under 16 to under 18 could make a massive difference in doing that if it was across the board because you're getting them still in that cheaper price, but it's when they're going themselves and they really get that kind of hook, hook and buzz. We received a couple of messages last week from Andrew Donnelly, fan of Partick Thistle. He believes that we didn't give them quite enough credit in the podcast last week, the preview podcast. Um, he says that we didn't mention their creative spark, the likes of Stevie Lawless, Ryan Stevenson. Maybe we were a wee bit harsh on Partick Thistle last uh, last week. Do you think the likes of Lawless, Stevenson could do well for Partick this year and they might be able to push up the table? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, it's a shame I wasn't on last week because I always talk quite positively about uh, Party Thistle. Um, you, talk, you talk positively about anyone, though, don't you? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've always said, you know, Party Thistle have got goals in them, guys like Chris Doolan, you know, Stephen Wallace, and I think when you're a team, you know, at that bottom end of the table, when you've got goals in you, you know, you you're not going to be relegated. I don't think, and I, and I don't, I don't foresee, you know, Party Thistle getting relegated this season. I think. Um, I you know I think I predicted maybe eighth or ninth for them this year. So um, you know I, it'll be interesting to see how they do. But um, I think you know they've got goals in them, and at the end of the day, I think goals, uh, especially in this league, are, are vital. I think a lot of what, what what our opinion was based on last year, last week, sorry, wasn't necessarily that Thistle are an extremely poor team, but it's more looking at what the teams around about them have done over the summer. You look at Motherwell, who were below them last year, and I have to say, I feel they've strengthened and made themselves a bit stronger. Absolutely. Kilmarnock were edging towards those playoffs last year. I think they've strengthened. Um, and the big thing for me about 
about Kilmarnock as well, is they took Callum Higginbotham, who was one of Thistle's kind of main threats as such last year. Uh, they've taken him and, and took him to Rugby Park. So it's more for me looking at it and saying, well, who, who are the teams that are going to finish below them? And the only one that I could see it potentially being is, is Hamilton Ackies. And, and, and that's where the kind of the, the, the thought in my mind comes from. I, I don't doubt they've got good players and will score goals this season, but I just have this thought in my head of, you know, when I look at the table, I look at the teams, I look who's strengthened, who is going to finish below them. And that's where the kind of debate and, and where I kind of don't have much of a, an idea as to what's going to go, go on there comes. There you go, Andrew. We've hopefully kind of talked Thistle up a wee bit. Um, we'll move on to the the, sh- the abomination R- written down here. I've got sports scene, and then what some things. That? Yeah, well, there's a there's an expletive in there somewhere. But um, yeah, what was that last Sunday? Um, I think the boys at Terrace Podcast kind of shot them to bits a wee bit. So I don't know where we go from there. But it was it was pretty poor in terms of the actual highlight content. The guests. I'll start with the guests. My own opinion. My own opinion is that we live in a country that is fascinated by football. Probably, I mean, Neil, Neil Doncaster always brings out this um, kind of oh, Scotland, the biggest attended country per population. I think we're second now, but yeah, the population, Cyprus yeah. or something like that. Top, but, Cyprus, Iceland, and Faroe Islands. But anyway, we're, we're absolutely addicted to our football, and I just don't see we've got so many pundits out there. I don't see why we need to go and get a Motherwell striker and Scott McDonald, nothing against Scott McDonald personally, that was playing at the weekend. Like We did it when Sheridan was playing, we did it when Stevie Thompson was playing. I don't know why we're going and getting these players to come on sports scene when they've played at the weekend. What are they possibly going to do? We talk about the biggest issue at the weekend. The biggest talking point was Craig Gordon's red card, yellow card, probably, because that was in the showpiece game on the Saturday, the first game of the season. And you've got Billy Dodds, again, nothing against him personally, who works at Ross County. So what's he going to say? And you've got Scott McDonald, a former Celtic striker. What's he going to say? So it's like, you get these people on, even in Sky Sports. It's not just a sports thing, even in Sky Sports, we've got Charlie Mulgrew on. Why have why have they got him? Like, get, again, nothing against Charlie Mulgrew. Get experts on, like they do in English football, players that have retired and are able to criticise fellow professionals. Don't get players on that can't criticise, because if Charlie Mulgrew was to say anything controversial, like the referees had an absolute howler there, he could be brought up by the SPFA or the SFA. Mm. So it's get the right people on. What what were your thoughts on on sports I scene as a whole? Personally, for me, if, if we're talking about who we would kind of like on um, these kind of programs, for me, the best football show in terms of content delivery analysis is is the European football show on BT Sport. And how many ex footballers? Exactly. Owen Hargreaves, and he's barely even on. And it. I think for me, he's probably the, again nothing against Owen Hargreaves, but he's probably the weakest part of that. We should pro- just stick program. a disclaimer. Yeah, this. Apologies, not, to anyone. Yeah, apologies to any ex-footballers who may offend. But, just any ex-footballer. Yeah. Um, but I think if you get the right people on, people that talk about the game properly, because I, I mean, yeah. see if a journalist can or. Uh, you know, an analyst can articulate themselves and get themselves across to the audience. That's half of of what the job is. It's then I think what you find, and I mean, I don't think this is a requirement, but I feel though as though when you get experts on that aren't necessarily ex footballers or current footballers, they tend to articulate themselves a lot better and sort of get their point across. 
a lot better as well. Um, not that I'm saying that footballers or ex-footballers can't be pundits. Of course not. Some of the the ones I enjoy the most are um, ex-footballers. But I, I feel as though there's a real and sports seems really bad for this. There's the fact that they have to get on someone that's played at the weekend when there are perfectly good journalists and I know this has been a big topic this week in Scottish football about journalists and you know how they report on certain things but there are good journalists out there that can talk about football for me you know an example is Richard Wilson who always articulates himself very well comes across um impartially and 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 can you know for me has a good insight into the game but enough that it's not as though you know what you're saying I mean what is what is Billy Dawes going to say when he's involved or you know he's not involved he's impartial so his, his point of view um, can be respected I think these cases when you have former footballers on and they give their opinion their best when they're in kind of big pressure situations and they can give some insight because you're looking mm-hmm. for insight watching these things yeah. see when you're asking Scott McDonald about a tackle that was on him on, eh, on Saturday like what's he going to yeah. say there it's like you need to either get these people who haven't played football on that are experts and ask them the right questions or you or you get Scott McDonald on again nothing against Scott McDonald and ask them the right questions just they're just even if you go to the questions that they ask in sports and there's no coverage of the they're actual game que- there's, no, yeah, there's no there's no tactics or anything like that I just I just thought it was, I it was really poor it there's no real layers to the co- to the to the question so you have nowhere else to expand on what the question so once you answer the question do you think it was a bad tackle yes would you go yeah. from there there's no they show the clip yeah, and that's it that's what I think is really good about if and this is why I think it works really well when you've got Monday Night Football with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher the questions they're asked are intelligent and they can expand on them because they have the knowledge um of the game, and but they're also removed. I mean, you'll see Carragher or Neville to criticise United or, or Liverpool. It doesn't matter that they used to play with them. However, when you have a player that currently plays for them, it's very difficult to come out and then slot or you know have a go at, at, at your teammates or your manager and things like that. Yeah, I mean, just where, where do we begin with sports scene? There's just a, a, bit, a million things wrong with it. I totally agree with what you guys are saying. And they needed a sports scene, the guy, the producers, whoever, whoever makes it, they need to decide. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to have, you know, talking segments between the matches? Uh, are you going to, or, or are you just going to have the fa- the highlights? Because you can't have this kind of halfway, halfway there thing that we have at the moment, where, as you said, it's, it's, it's questions that are, questions that I want to get one word answers, you know. you know, Are we going to go the kind of European football show route and have some really intelligent and... Um, and journalists and, um, and pundits and ex-footballers I don't want anyone current there who's playing unless they're playing in a foreign league I don't want them there uh, another thing another point as well about sports scene had this uh, tribute show and it was so ironic that the tribute show to sports scene was on a Saturday night which is the night the sports scene the highlight show should be on it should not we shouldn't have some tribute show on a Saturday night we should have the proper highlights of the day's action on a Saturday night I've made the point earlier I don't think it's it's out with us as a country and the BBC as an organisation to do what they do in England and have a sports scene and a sports scene too on the Sunday covering the Sunday game exactly and the fact that the highlights of, I know it's a broadcasting issue uh, it's to do with the SPFL and, and the way they kind of work their rights but um why? Why are the highlights five minutes long? You know, I, I you know, I, I want to see ten minute highlights. Sometimes but, I don't want to see any highlights from games, and it's not as mean? if the highlights aren't out there because uh, see the on the SPFL. Oh, yeah, you yeah, back exactly. me up here. You get eight, eight and a half minute yeah. highlights of Celtic game. What's your taking the issue, Connor? I don't think there's a whole lot that can majorly like these sort of issues about the the Tyvans. 
you're, not, you're generally not going to improve them unless they're willing to fork out a lot more money. I think what could be done is likes of, yeah, improvement in guests, but for me it's about highlighting more of, of Scottish football. Um, I think there's a lot more that could be done. I think highlights for me is, is the bread and butter and I think we need more of them of different leagues. I also think things like sort of what they do at match of the day, there's a kind of five minute section in the middle about the community engagement within different areas. The I only, think something like that could be important. Do they, I don't really watch match of the day on Sunday mornings mostly because I'm hungover on a Sunday morning but do they still do that on a Sunday morning? The community that, thing, yeah, because I know they yeah. don't they don't yeah. do it on the Saturday night, but they yeah. do it on the Sunday morning. Yeah. I was talking to Brian Caldwell again, and he was saying he's been ambitious, looking for St Mirren or sorry, sports scene to get something from a club every week, an SPFL club every week, a community project, stuff like that. I think it gradually, I don't, I don't want to use the word brainwash. It gradually changes opinions about good stuffs going on, rather than just this kind of. It always seems to be. I don't want to kick the boot in too hard, but it always seems to be negative stuff. Like, was that a red card? Or he should have been off. It's like there, that there, old trial by sports scene. There's thing. There's no talk about the actual football. When's mm. the last time you watched sports scene and they were talking about you know the tempo of the game and oh this player made an amazing pass and look at that pass there. There's nothing about that sports scene. It's all about oh that was a good tackle. Oh what about Celtic and their sectarian singing? Or all this crap that doesn't matter. Talk about this is a football show. Talk about the football. <laughs> to be honest, I mean I I know I might be of a. A, mi- a minority here. The talking doesn't matter to me. I, I, I'm not I, I interested in what that's, they say. That's a fair I'm argument. not interested in who it is saying it to me. I just want to see the goals mm. and or the, the not the goals, the highlights. But do you know, see if, if they gave me a, a, a forty-five minute to an hour show where you, in fact, you need longer than that for what I was thinking. But let's say you get an hour and a half. Premiership's your main focus. Maybe you get one featured championship game and then they go through, like you would, I don't know if you see it on on, on Sky Sports News on a, a Saturday night, the Goals Express. Goals they just, they just yeah. run through the goals from mm-hmm. every league. Just just give me that. That's all I want to see because at the end of the day, no matter what a pundit says to me, I'm going to form my own opinions. Mm-hmm. And it's probably my opinions on issues and topics that I care about most and do you know what if I want to talk about it to anybody I'll talk about it to my pals not listen to it on our TV and it's not as if we have a lack of opinion in Scotland you've got uh, super scoreboard you've got the radio because I think the radio do a really good job of covering yeah. the stuff you almost wonder could they get some of those folk on to do the sports scene I've got nothing against Jonathan Sutherland I think he tries to do his best but he's not the one who's given the opinions whoever's going to make the decision to get these people on I just think needs to kind of have a look and just think who do we really want on I take your opinion about just wanting goals I think you look at two different things I think you've got folk who want their highlights mm-hmm. early and they'll take any content like yourself they just want goals they don't care if it's shot in a, a barn and you just get the goals coming in and then you want folk who want a proper programme a sports scene thing with uh, you've got your highlights and you've got really good discussion tactical debate I think if you fire that out on the Sunday night that's okay but you need to get the goals in on the, the Saturday evening, just goals, Saturday evening, even a half an hour programme like they do in Sky, I don't know what it's called, but they, they ran through uh, all if, the goals. E- even if it was something like the Bundesliga if it, a highlight show that was yeah. on ITV. There's no studio discussion perfect. there. Exactly, so that'd be absolutely perfect, but um, I don't know, there's just there's about a million things wrong with I mean, it. But. For me personally, I'm, I'm probably the complete opposite of Connor. I like analysis, I like hearing from, from experts, that's why I would say, I mean, for me, the people whose opinion I rate highly um, are, are mainly journalists and people who, 
you know, aren't necessarily based in Scotland, and this is talking about out west Scotland, like global football and, and, and things like that, are people, as I said, that help, that don't just give you what's right in front of you, that don't just say, well, you know, this is how I view the decision. They educate you about the game. For me, the absolute standout for that is, and I don't know if any of you, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard of him, is Tim Vickery. Yeah, I was gonna, he's my favourite journalist. Football he's journalist. My, I mean, Brazilian football, South American yeah, football. Yeah, South American football. And I, I honestly cannot tell you how, man, how much things, not just about South American football, but football in general, I've heard from listening to him. And certainly not to plug... Uh, other podcasts and things like that but the World Football phone in and the people they have in that they educate you because mm-hmm. they're invested in the game and, and, and they experience different parts of the, the game the culture and things like that and it's just such a refreshing change from what you get in mainstream British telly I think we'll, we'll probably say out with as I said sort of the European football show and, 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 and with pundits like Neville and Carragher where it's just the same mundane analysis it's, it's what's right in front of you you know, Connor said you, you obviously want to form your own opinions, but you also want to learn things. I think as well when you watch football, and you want to enrich your experience and become a smarter football fan. Certainly, that's what what, what my aim is, and and I want to learn as much about the game as possible from people who who have have seen much more than I have, and 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 you know whose opinions are are extremely valid. And I just don't feel like we have that, particularly in the Scottish media, but um, in the in the British media as a whole, I don't think there's enough of uh, people like that. Actually, I remember the the World Cup in uh, twenty fourteen, uh, and I remember being so excited for when I heard that mm-hmm. Tim Vickery was going to be on on a lot of the yeah. shows, and I was so disappointed when you know he, when he was getting cut off when he was in the middle of a great story or, or a great bit of analysis, cut off because Rio Ferdinand wants to talk. I don't care what Rio Ferdinand wants to talk about. You know, no offence. Rio Ferdinand's mum cares what he's uh, to say. To be honest, I think you're right, but I think it's just an attitude, and it's you know, as as you were saying, it's not just exclusive to uh, to, uh, to, to just to Scotland. It's you know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole of Britain and the BBC and how they view uh, what you know football analysis, uh, uh, football pundits should be. And uh, I think we do need to get away from you know this ex footballer, and it needs to be more from a focus on the journalists. In terms of the actual length of the highlights, again, we won't stick the boot in too much into sports scene, but the highlights are there. I'm sure if you look in the SPFL now, or at least in a couple of days, you'll get eight minutes highlights of these games. I appreciate it's difficult to do in Partick Hamilton, but I mean, two minutes and a half, really, for a top flight game? I think this kind of goes above, though, the, the just the sort of... Uh, just sports scene I think this is a sort of scheduling thing you know time is made out for this programme and you need to fit as much as you can um, within this allotted time that's obviously it varies depending on programme so obviously match of the day is what like an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes sports scene isn't anywhere near is that long um, so I think if you were wanting longer highlights from, from something like sports scene you would have to look at the actual the broadcaster saying well we'll give them more time then. surely there's space right. to get it online though I mean you've got unlimited length online yeah, I suppose, I'd, I get and I, I'd, I'd happily take a brilliant programme if it was online I don't care if it's in telly as long as yeah. I, I watch it I don't watch sports in my telly anyway I watch it on my laptop so. you, you always see it with the Scottish Cup there's always uh, you, know, mm. you know there's always you know, 50 minutes highlights for a game like a Hibs and Berwick or something you know, so so there's there's no reason why they can't do it. they can't do this on a Sunday night, and I think it's more you know to do with the SPFL and how they deal with their contracts and stuff. But if it's to do with the SPL, SPFL and how they do with the contracts, then then we need to be on their backs as well and say you know sort out the contracts, get them get us sorted. You know, try and advertise the game and get proper highlights done. You know, and for God's sake, get rid of those 
like the line up kind of you know the whole oh. design of the line up change that's been the same since like Scotland were qualifying like for 98 man just get it changed and uh, I thought I just I was just disappointed the 40th year Actually, I enjoyed the programme on Saturday, but I thought just the 40th year, you go into it on Sunday and it'd be, everything would be fresh, maybe change a few things, like they'd maybe get just more modernised stuff. Slicker, I think. Slicker is the and word. It, um, it get, was worse than last year. And, and, and the, Dun- the Dundee highlights were an absolute joke as well. The, the, they weren't even no, it highlights. It was, no. like, it was a documentary type thing with Connie McLaughlin. Against, not, nothing against her, but it's just the way whatever she's been told to do. To be honest, no one really wants to see highlights in that form. They want, they want. Fair enough if you're doing that for a lower league game that you've not got proper footage of. You've got one camera at the game, but see when you're going to Kelly, that game. I think BBC Alba showed the whole game, so the footage is there. Um, get proper highlights in for that because that was the story of the week, probably. Dundee winning four 0 at Rugby Park, and we've not even got proper highlights with commentary. We've got someone talking over it. I mean, really. Anything else to say in sports scene there? <laughs> Vented my frustration there. Pelted them enough. Nah, I'll be happy for a week. But apart from that, I enjoyed Sunday's show. Uh, no. <laughs> so um, that is us. Uh, we've, we've looked ahead to this weekend's games. We've also talked about the key issues. If you've got anything you want us to chat about next week, then send us a tweet and we'll do our best to do that. Thanks to our panel that joined me today, Lewis Kemp, Callum Fisher and Connor Park once again I've been Hamish Carton and you've been listening to the Bus Boss Scottish Football Podcast we'll see you next week